0: Welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here with Francis Murphy. How you doing Francis? I'm doing alright. Uh, actually, um not phoning in my performance this time for a change. Yeah, you're actually here in the flesh. It's weird. <laughs> You've not really seen a lot of films from 2018 we've kind of discussed. Um, but you have seen a few, so we're going to talk about them. It's been a wee while actually since I've done a podcast um, with Scott got some big plans coming up next week for the film of the year podcasts but uh this one's a well first of all an intro to 2019 it's our first podcast of 2019 but also a final podcast on the sort of remaining films in 2018 that i've seen and a couple that you've seen as well you want to just get into it yep let's do it okay <laughs> so uh bird box that was a film that we've both seen um you've just seen that when did you see it uh i watched uh um I think it was last week, so not too long ago. Yeah, um, well, you over, I mean, this is a Netflix original film, wasn't it? Essentially, yes. And uh, it's kind of it's been compared to a Quiet Place, and you've not seen that, have you? No, I haven't. It's um, essentially a Quiet Place. It was out at the beginning of the year, or kind of May, I think. Um, the, the setup was that um, there was aliens that arrived, and if you'd made a sound, they would essentially kill you. And it was a kind of post-apocalyptic world we're living in um, the survivors trying to survive without making a sound. Novel. Novel. It sounds like quite a nice world actually, <laughs> a world of silence and peace, you know? Yeah, uh, it was a great film, it's, uh, it's on many people's top ten lists and um, this Bird Box kind of slightly, I mean obviously they've come out in the same year, I don't think there's a, it's an element of copying it but it feels like it's unfortunate it's came out only a few months later and it's got a sort of trope that's kind of similar to it more with sight Well, I think it falls into the genre of let's introduce a particular element to society that causes an apocalyptic event. So, um, such as 28 Days Later, you know, um, you get that moment where the main character wakes up and walks around an empty city and and you've got to work out why. Zombies, obviously, in that case, which is a fairly common one. Um, You've got other... um, I mean, there's other examples of films that we we'll throw in, as you say, you know, you can't make a sound, or everybody wants to commit suicide. Um, uh, I think it was an M Night Shyam- was it M Night Shyamalan film where everybody was um, uh, killing themselves because of the trees or something like that. I haven't seen um, that. <laughs> it was um, the the happening or the the event or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was called. But um, you find a lot of this in pulp science fiction, uh, old stories written by fifties and sixties sci-fi authors, where what they'll do is they'll toss in just some kind of, like the Day of the Triffids, where a comet comes across the sky and suddenly everyone on Earth is blinded by this. There's other things in the story about plants that take over the planet, but essentially the, the start of the story is everybody's blind. What happens if everybody is suddenly blinded? How does society function? And I think at that point, you're looking at films like Bird Box as well. Yeah, well, so we'll talk about um, specifically Bird Box then. Um well how would you describe it? It's almost like um it's almost like a virus uh, where if you see uh the creatures that are wandering around then you go insane. It's almost like a meme virus. So if you see it then it's like the ring. If you watch the video you die in bird box if there's these creatures everywhere all around the earth and if you see them then you go insane and you start trying to kill yourself. So um it's kind of like a modern day Medusa. I suppose Medusa would turn people to stone, mm-hmm. whereas in this case you see the creature, then you, you immediately try and jump off a bridge or whatever. And there was also the added effect of some people would not try and kill themselves, but would almost work for the virus and try and make people see for, for them to kill themselves sort of thing. So they're obviously insane yeah. initially, or maybe have seen something in their lives that was horrific already or maybe i think it's supposed to be that it's someone's greatest fear or something that would immediately cause them to kill themselves so maybe the people that have that are immune to this have already had that experience in their lives at some stage it was a great film overall i thought the tension was great uh sandra bullock as the lead um i thought she was you know i thought she was perfect in the role um i think it's it's a kind of more serious role that I feel like she's better at. I thought it was you know perfectly written. Well, bear in mind, it's from a book. The book. Okay. Oh uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So do you know who's 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 the author? I'm not sure. Um, someone else had told me that, but I wasn't aware of that. But of knowing that mm-hmm. it makes you look at it differently because what they've done is they've adapted the character slightly to fit the film. Right. Okay. But not not ah, that right. Not that much. I. I Loved the film because Stephen is very well aware of um, some of my um, grumpy dislikes when it comes to movies that come out these days, especially films maybe twenty sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, where um, certain uh, trends and viewpoints are almost sledgehammered into your face. Well, we certainly discussed that on our your last uh, visit. Well. Where- Uh, podcast we did on the solo film and you felt there was some social justice uh, agenda going on in the writing well I wouldn't want anybody to think that I'm a conspiracy theorist or that I think that there's some sort of global cabal of uh, very nice people who want everyone to be happy um, or everybody to be equal or whatever it is that they're trying to do but I do think that there's a certain naivety that comes comes out with some writers and producers and staff or whoever's working on films these days where they feel that the story is secondary to their political viewpoints which I think is dangerous uh, precisely because political viewpoints can change and you don't know whether or not at some point in the next 5 or 10 years it could be very very far right and suddenly movies are uh, extolling the virtues of those ideas Um, What I would say about Bird Box is that, um, and I think partly it's because it comes from a book, that Bird Box has has a a beautifully portrayed idea of of what a grey area is, and that not everybody is fully right, and not everybody is fully wrong. Now take John Malkovich's character for example. There's a person who is clearly a make America great again kind of guy. And he doesn't trust anyone, doesn't want to let them in. He's very dismissive of people. He treats people like crap. And he's very rude and abrasive. But really, there is a part of the film that was very unexpected in that he was actually right. Because the person that he argued against letting in the second time did actually cause a catastrophic event. And John Malkovich's character then had a moment of maybe heroic redemption where he he survived against all the odds and then re-entered the house to try and save two newborn babies and died in the process. Um, And it also highlighted maybe the naivety of some of the other characters who would trust anyone at all costs. And, you know, not everyone... Is trustworthy and and being so and, quite a cynical film. Then is that maybe where you're you like it? No, I think that what it showed was that one of the people that was let in was okay. The one that had the baby with um, Sandra Bullock's character, they both had children. She was she was brought in against his objections, and she was okay. Um, whereas the next person was was out to get them. So what it was telling you was that it's not a a, a strictly moral right or wrong to let people in. It's a, it's not an objective truth. It's a subjective uh, debate that has to take place. Letting everyone in is just as bad as letting nobody in. So the the setup here was that they they were Sandra Bullock's character is quickly holed up. Shit goes to pop pretty damn quickly mm-hmm. in this film. Her friend um, in the car commits suicide quite violently. There's a lot going on, um, and the you know. She's held kinda of holed up in a house with many strangers. Um and so it's kind of a a bit of paranoia sets in. Do we try, who who do we know here? And um are we all gonna turn on each other? And then they try and kind of it's trying to stop strangers from getting in and this is obviously where these characters are starting to try to appear and kind of enter the scene. Um so what would you say would you, did you have a favourite scene in the film? Well, I'm not sure I would say I had a favourite scene because there was so many different bits in it that, to me... I mean, I feel like the film... The book, obviously, itself... I mean, it's slightly different to the film from what I've been told, but it's an allegory. So it's all about how a group of people who don't actually have social cohesion, which is kind of like the United States because the United States is made up of many different people. Um, It's probably one of the most melting pot societies on the planet how those people have to come together and form some sort of group of trust amongst themselves. And what you see is people who leave the house and steal the car with supplies in it. Um, You see people who don't get along with each other fully, like Sandra Bullock's character is not a natural mother and she doesn't understand the other mother in the house, who is a bit more touchy-feely and and all that sort of thing, so you see that difference. Um, Again, like I said, you've got John Malkovich's distrustful character about letting people in. And I think it's a very... um, timely film in that these are debates that society at large is having, because not only do we distrust everybody who's outside the house, but we're not entirely sure that we trust the people who are already let in. And and it makes a good point in that you don't often start off with the people that you even you even know very well anyway. So what makes the people inside better than the people outside? Is it just that by sheer luck they were there? So what was your favourite scene? <laughs> Well, that was it. Um, uh, it was the bit. It was the bit where it uh, took real life and made it into a story, which was, which I think was the, the uh, must have been the point of the book. I wish I'd done more research on that. Actually, yeah, sure. yeah, it's an interesting film. Um, I, I loved the tension, and I think the performances were great. And overall, I've uh, I've rated it sort of a four stars. Where would you sit with that on a five star rating system? Well, I wouldn't say it was a five star because I felt that it fell down a little bit in the last act. I feel like after um, uh, you had your sort of main, your 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 main male character, I suppose, which was Sandra Bullock's lover, who sacrificed himself, showing he was a mil- ex military guy, and basically what happened was he there was a situation in which he had to take off his blindfold and and defend against um, some of the insane people, so she could get away. Um, but I feel like after that it sort of fell down a bit because, I mean, they ended up being saved by a, a school for the blind, um, well, which I feel... That's it, a spoiler. I suppose we have to uh, announce spoilers ahead of that. Oh, well, we're talking about the whole... Yeah, yeah, I mean... I'll I'm, maybe put a disclaimer. Yeah, then. <laughs> you're going to have to do it at the start because, I mean, I've, I'm going to talk about a film. We've got, to talk, we, you know, we've got to talk about the whole thing, but if we're going to review a film, we've got to look at the whole mm-hmm. the whole shape of the film and I feel like the last bit was a bit kind of... Like in the book, from what I heard, people were blinding themselves to be saved, um, and that wasn't touched on in the, the movie. Mm. And I feel like that's a quite devastating thing to to know. I feel like making it a school of the blind is a bit of a cop out. Whereas if people had formed a community and they had blinded themselves to survive, that's given up a lot. Uh, yeah, it didn't really explain. It didn't really. It kind of left it to your interpretation. If these were all naturally, you know, blind people of that school. Or if there were people that had came into the school because of they had maybe there's a p- potential that it certainly didn't allude to it, though it didn't make it obvious mm-hmm. what their um what what was happening there and who these people were it certainly made it look like they were all just people that happened to be at that school and well, did, did say they kept the birds there for the sighted mm-hmm. people right okay because the birds are obviously in the name aren't they they're the mm-hmm. the thing that alerts them to these creatures. Um, Yeah I thought it was great And I'm quite Pleased by this film Because I feel like It's a film that doesn't Probably because It comes from a book But it doesn't insult The intelligence of the audience And it's a very Tightly controlled story It's not that complicated Mm Mm-hmm you look at these things then you if, you, if you look at them, you go crazy and these people have to get somewhere safe. It had sparked, I don't know if Netflix's marketing team have started it to try and make people see the film to try and get news stories about it, but it might have been genuine. They had to put a warning out to get people to stop in blindfolds and doing stupid things. Internet being the internet, that's the kind of thing people have done. The net, the bird box challenge has become a sort of viral idiot prank People driving cars with the blindfold based on the scene in the film. Um, stuff like that. Ne- you know, I can't tell if it, if it's a genuine warning from Netflix and things like that. Or if it's uh, a sort of, yeah, that we'll capitalise on that. Because it is good marketing for them. Well, far be it for me to be the voice of negativity, but it doesn't surprise me at all that people would do something like that. I've heard of, uh, of worse before. Um, I mean maybe it's not a bad thing if someone is stupid enough to put on a blindfold and drive a car then maybe it's better for us that they do so <laughs> on the final note would you have ranked it a four star as well is that where you would sit in this capiche rating yeah I think I would agree with the rating on it um, And and just to add there's a very a very small number of movies that come out now that I would rate four stars or above wow not cynical at all considering I've got about 24 star films on my list that I've seen And 8 5 star films I have to disagree But uh, what I'll do is We'll take a quick break Well bear in and- mind I haven't seen them <laughs> Yeah that's true <laughs> And welcome back That was our little break there We also had a technical malfunction that happened for no... A reason whatsoever. But yes, we're back. And uh glad to be back, of course. Beard up. Definitely beard up. yeah Um <laughs> also we sounded like Dalek's. Yeah, I don't know what the hell we done. Windows, the computer, hardware, software, we tried everything. I know it sounds like a, a really bad porno film, but it wasn't that exciting. But uh yeah, hopefully <laughs> it's now back to normal. We sound not like Daleks and we sound like our usual boring selves. So let's talk about films again I I thought that was the end (laughs) (laughs) I tasked you with a film today Upgrade And uh, I thought it was maybe up your alley A kind of dystopian Sci-fi future type film Kind of up your wheelhouse You enjoyed it? I hear the word upgrade I think of Will Ferrell's character In that one movie Where he played a pimp Who was called Upgrade um, thankfully this film was nothing like that um i hear the word upgrade i also get scared because as Stephen knows i've become quite suspicious of technology progress and anything that involves social media or anything like that why i'm doing a podcast in that case i've got no idea mm-hmm. um since it's entirely digital but um yeah it was entirely up my alley or in my what's a wheelhouse i don't know i've just heard that phrase and i decided to use it kind of do that you know now and then i hope you don't do that with anything you hear um but yeah let's uh let's talk about upgrades. yeah like uh, i kind of thought you would like it it's well i mean are you you're not really into overly violent films are you it's not the main attraction for you is it it's more think piece type stuff you prefer well yeah i mean i think like uh violence in real life it has to be applied um as and when required and i think that gratuitous violence in movies is just as uh disturbing as gratuitous violence violence and well actually no it's not as disturbing it's almost as disturbing as gratuitous violence in real life mm. um you know because you can actually switch the telly off you know so um but um upgrade was uh, a very tight film uh that in which i always love this where the stories the the main um focus of everyone who's made this film clearly um it didn't seem to me that any of the actors were pushing themselves and chewing the scenery and um, trying to get more limelight. It didn't seem as if there was any particular uh, uh, sort of subtext to it. It was, it was just a story, about, it was a very straightforward story, actually, and it, it was nicely predictable. Did you find it predictable? Well, I mean, it, it felt like it was playing up as if it was going to be predictable and then did a a sort of 180 at the very the very end without giving away the spoiler kind of thing. Well, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I won't give away the spoiler this time, so yes. don't worry. <laughs> um, yes, in the end... Um, so, yeah, it was, but I'll put it this way. I knew exactly what was going on most of the way through the film, but I liked it. And then I was shocked and angered, but then instantly happy again. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't feel like it built that up, though. It didn't build no, up. No, it didn't, it didn't... Um, the the one of the reveals did feel like you kind of you I, I could imagine everyone rolled their eyes a little like i did it was kind of like okay really and then there was something else revealed that kind of then subverted that which is why i liked it let's talk more it's kind s- of like when your blind date's got a beard hmm yeah yeah and then, and then she takes it off and it's a joke hmm yeah Roll your eyes is not probably how I would have responded, but I suppose we'll, well go bad with that. A surprise followed by a, a, a knowing laugh. Ah, I see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we've all been in this position that you've... Apparently, is this something you're bringing up from personal experience? No, but I have been scared of that before. That I'd turn up and... I mean, I just don't like kissing beards. Do you? I don't think I ever have. I can imagine it, what it would be like. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... This was, um, essentially it's like a, it's kind of feels like a, a revenge f- film. It's kind of a, it's, it's a man that's essentially is involved in a horrific accident at the beginning of the film and, uh, he becomes essentially a quadriplegic. His wife gets, his wife, don't forget his wife. Yes. It's very sad. The wife of the character does, is less fortunate. We'll say, yeah. um, how did you feel about that? I, I, the reason I ask is there's a sort of a thing that's happened that I've noticed this year in films where the female character is usually killed off for the sort of it doesn't apply in this film which is why I'm fine with it. But a lot of films have a female character killed off for the sort of male character. What like, you, you mean that a female character was murdered in order for the male character to have a story? Yeah. Um, well, it's not. We don't have to go into that, the whole fridging thing that's what's been labelled but is it called Fridging? Yeah. That's from Doctor Who, isn't it? I thought it was from A Green Lantern or something. Oh, is it? I don't know. It's from something. Um, I mean, there's no denying the fact that, you know... But, uh, I think in, if in we were the, to... In the d- story, it's it's not as obvious. Well, I don't think it's... Her just... character, though... I mean, there was a bit at the very end where her character did something and I thought, that is so cliched to that ca- Like, that is the only thing this character has to say. And it was so minimal. And I thought, hang on a minute, what was this? And she seemed a bit... Actually, now that you've mentioned it, the wife did seem not like a real person in the way that she behaved at the start of the film. And I, although... I, I, I disagree. I thought she was... She just talked about pizza all the time. That yeah, was her whole life, was about a, pizza. Like... Are you going to make a pizza or will we buy one? In fact... Well, anyway. You'll see when you see the film because you'll see what she says. But mm-hmm. they... Um, to go back to the fridge and thing, I, I think... Anyone who um, watches movies will probably sigh with a certain amount of contempt when a character is is placed there simply to die to push another character forward. And I think it's more... I wouldn't say it's a gender issue as much as it's a lazy writing issue. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And it just happened to be this year where there was a bit more um, reliance on it being the female that was killed off. I won't reveal the films because then it's a spoiler for all of the films. But that being said, you do have more male leads than female leads. So it's going to happen more to women supporting characters. That's, that's an argument. Whatever the reason is, the, the cinemas uh, are selling tickets and the, the movie. Studios are putting out movies to demographics that buy the tickets. So really it's the audience's yeah. fault. So you're responsible for fridging. <laughs> so you have to not go and see those films so that the men in suits fridge more men. So are we saying not to go and see Upgrade then? Um, just uh, just pirate it, download it off, off the uh, internet. We it? do not condone piracy on this public... Uh, podcast no, I, know, I know it's a it's a a, a joke hi right um, i would never pirate movies did you, who, who um it was was it, at least not on my own wi-fi <laughs> the lead Marshall. i think it's Marshall logan green uh, might have messed up his name i can't remember him he's an australian actor do you know uh, who he reminded me of well mlg sounds like a gun uh, true no he reminded me of a uh, tom hardy yes he looked to <laughs> spit an image of tom hardy it was like budget tom hardy yeah um which i quite liked slightly less confident more nerdy tom hardy a little a little a little like tom hardy mixed with commander Riker. we haven't really set up what like so his character is kind of implanted we'll say with enhancements um, that allow him to function and walk and things like that. Oh, you want to say something? No, yeah. Sorry, I, actually, bear in mind, I just watched it tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you were saying th- th- about the the wife oh, and what happened to her yeah. the the film actually um, uh, talks about that itself because obviously, what happened to the wife is very important to this husband. So he's mm-hmm. that's driving him throughout I know. the film. But there comes a point where what happened to the wife is revealed to have been just a side event anyway. So in the story mm, of the film... I know. And that's why it doesn't bother me in this film. No, but I would just say it's an interesting point that in the film itself, the film actually... like it, they, didn't they sort even... of tackled <clears> that on and kind of... Well, it goes beyond sub- that. Because, subverted it a little. Well, I think it goes beyond that because what they actually said was that it was a, basically it was a senseless event. It didn't even have to happen. It didn't even have to happen the way that it did. Mm. It was gratuitous. Not only on the screen as a meta event, as as in as watching the film, but within the world of the film as well. Mm. It was like, it, it didn't even have to take place. Now that's quite interesting. It literally just came to me as you were. No, I mean, uh, fair enough, completely. Um, so yeah, this the character is kind of uh, subjected to, well, initially it initially seems all is rosy again in some ways. He's now got his life back he, or he can try and get his life back he struggles um mm-hmm. with deal with his life but um a life with no movement mm. and yeah which would be hard i know i just loved the look of the film you know very dark and and it felt very it kind of reminded me a bit of blade runner um a bit of a cleaner blade runner yeah in fact yeah. it was it was interesting because it it shows how close we are to being in that world. Yeah, I mean, there's elements you can see. The technology, we, our technology is advancing so quickly that it doesn't feel a complete stretch to get to the sort of point he's at um, anymore. Whereas if it was 10, 15 years ago, it would have seemed a bit nonsensical, probably. Um, well, 10, 15 years ago, you had things like Minority Report, mm-hmm. um, which really... You know him' looking into the past and the future, that's the sci fi element, but the observation of people these days is is almost on the level. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we spoke to someone twenty years ago and said there will be surveillance devices that you will carry around, place in your home twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and you will literally post everything you do all the time. Nobody would believe it, but here we are so in that way you know the the premise of this film, the world that it builds is probably closer than it might appear. Let's talk about the action. Some of the the, the, the martial art, the sort of the violence in this film, it's gratuitous, but it is amazing how quickly it goes from darkly horrific to comedic in seconds and then back to just absolute shocking. And I loved that. I just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was... Well, it was a very gruesome movie. It was gruesome. The the character has been controlled in a way and the voice in his head um, is kind of, he's interacting with it and it's kind of given him options and things to do. And, you know, a lot of them take him down a dark path, we'll say. And it's the sort of, the dialogue, the internal dialogue is is hilarious. I was laughing out loud. It was cartoonish. The things that this it was making him do the first time it happens as well, um, it's subtle. Uh huh. It's very well integrated, and uh, I just thought it was great. And you haven't seen this film, I suspect, um, but it reminded me of it. Venom, Tom Hardy film, where he has a symbiote talking to him and kind of controlling him and telling him to do things. But the differences between the two films are amazingly drastic and it just shows you like how one idea can be well the same idea can be executed so well when one film and poorly in another film do you know a point i should make here actually um and i'm gonna say this here because as we get to know each other throughout these podcasts you're gonna probably think that i'm a bit of an old man and that i don't like certain things or whatever but i love stuff if it's done well right and i made this point to my friend adam and to steve um earlier on that um This film had uh, two things in it that were done beautifully and were interwoven with the story in such a way that the story was not ruined by it. The first one was a diverse cast. Mm. There was a diverse cast. You had a black policewoman. You had um, an older lady as the mother who had a fairly significant role. You had, um, you know, exploring what it's like to be disabled. Um, you know, I mean, there was a lot of things there that were interwoven into that script. It was diverse in that you want to, you know, you want to be cynical and say it ticks boxes. No, it didn't tick boxes. It ticked boxes deftly, subtly, and in a way that you could believe. And the other thing was, it was the only time I have ever laughed genuinely at some kind of knowing reference to non-binary or trans, okay? Because usually it's so on the nose that I walk away from the screen clutching my face, and thinking, my eyes are watering, that's painful, okay, it's broken, but in this film, it was, there was a little exchange between the main character I'm and- I'm going to interject, I'm a little on the uh, less intelligent side, What what is this? <laughs> well, basically, in a lot of movies these days, social issues are approached with the subtlety of um, trying to go up to the bar and uh, ask for Angela, when you want to get out of a date, okay, Um what happens is that uh, uh, any um, plot continuity or any quality of storytelling becomes secondary to the political views of whoever's writing the film. Whereas in this, they slotted in this wonderful little exchange between the main character and someone who was transitioned from one gender to another. And they actually made the joke using the word play of ones and zeros as in computer coding because people who are maybe don't see themselves as one gender or, no- or another call themselves non-binary And binary code is what is used in programming. And I thought that was a fantastic little joke there. And it was really just, it was part of the world. It wasn't in your face. It wasn't, it was something that made you think and go, oh, there's some, you know, it made you think and be aware of that, that subset of people out there, but not in a way that would make you think that you were being preached to about some cause. It was great. So you had a diverse cast. You had representation of people that very rarely get represented on the screen and a fantastic story and lots of crazy gore. And, um, a meta-explanation of some things that people have been worried about in movies. I mean, I don't... And a dystopia, you know? I mean, what is wrong with the film? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think sometimes... The only thing I could say is maybe a slight play on some expect... Like, some tropes... Not tropes, but just some things feel a little familiar. Films you've seen. Um, there's an element of Robocop in the film um, and things like that. You you can riff on what it what it has been before. So it hasn't brought... Like an insane amount of new things to, it, but that doesn't. That's not necessary. It's it's a, an excellent film, and it's a short. It's not. It doesn't feel long, long. Doesn't you know challenge you and and it it feels like it's it's brisk and it's got a good pace to it. And I like that about it. The beauty of it is that Bird Box and this film are examples of how in twenty eighteen when it comes to the current time that we live in, you can address all kinds of things in in ways that are respectful of the intelligence of the audience and their ability to to conceptualise ideas and that and they don't have to be spoon-fed things like children in primary school being shown a video. They can watch a film and they can go, oh, well, that's right, that's wrong. Um, th- these things are part of the world that we live in and not be patronised by it. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about it is that it allows you to really enjoy the film because the film itself, the two of them, the films themselves, are... Not flawless by any stretch, but they're they're almost going back to maybe a more, to where the story's the important thing. I think Bird Box, because it came from a book, I feel like with Upgrade, well, I'm not sure what it was, but it was, there was something about it that, that was very much the, the plot is, the, I love a good plot, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Upgrade, it's a, I think it's a Bloom House production. They're like this, this sort of horror studio. They did Get Out, I don't know if you've seen Get Out. I think I have when did that come out it was uh, last year that was one of my favorites from last year they tend to have very it was a very small budget and they require so the directors that use that go under the the House productions um they get a very small budget and normally because of that they're very profitable the films in terms of like you know profit to to budget um and I think this was another one in that vein and they were able to do a lot of things you know that film did not look like it it was a small budget that, yeah. that they, they were very creative. They, the windowless cars and things make it easier to hide the fact that, you know, it's a very, like, there's not much outside. You can't, you, you, your, your imagination takes over. Well, it almost reminded me of The Matrix because The Matrix, I mean, I know The Matrix had a budget, but The Matrix didn't have a budget compared to the sequels that came out. Yeah. Um, and The Matrix, I think, did that too. And I think the reason The Matrix is better than any of its sequels is because What you don't see is more enticing than what you do. And there was a lot of exposition in the two Matrix sequels that showed you the world and showed you all of these different places and the big city under the ground and all these things, you know, and what the machines were. But really, it's what you don't see that's, that's captivating. And I feel like that world that was on the edge of being shown in this film was the thing that was fascinating because you didn't quite get to see this dystopia. And, you know, if you live in one, then it feels exactly the same way. You don't really see it. Um, we haven't spoken about the director, Lee Wannell. Um, I have no idea who that is. He, uh, again, it's a horror background he's from. Um, he did, I think he worked with James Wan on the Insidious films. So these horror tr- the films, have got a background horror, they've split off and um, James Wan did Aquaman this year and Lee Wannell did Upgrade. I've listened to a, an interview with Lee Wannell and he's absolutely hilarious. He's an Australian guy. And um, He's one of the funniest people I've heard in a, a director in a while. Um, he, and I think his ability to kind of... Because it it's not a horror film or anything like that. It feels like it's a slight subversion. I mean, it's a sci-fi film more than a horror, would you say? Well, yeah. But there are parts in it where there there is one particular scene where a torture takes place. <laughs> and... The main character isn't in control of his body as he's carrying out this torture, <laughs> and you don't see what he's done, and he's not looking. And then there's a point where he has to look, and you're thinking, "Am I going to see this? What's happened to this guy?" And you're th- you've heard him screaming. There's been a knife involved, and you're thinking, "Am I going to see this? That's a horror moment. Mm, yeah, that's not an action film moment. That's horror. You know, um, I think it's it's it feels like it it." goes between action martial arts and sci-fi and horror it's a great film it sort of bends genres and it kind of merges them and i like that i like the matrix i like films that can uh, that can transcend one genre and kind of morph and and merge with others and i like that about it so overall i really enjoyed this film i have rated it a four star film very close though to giving it the five um I think it just missed the mark on that, but like I could easily on any other day it could have could have been a, a low five star for me. Where would you have sat with that? So you mean on a Sunday it would have been a five star? <laughs> yeah, sure, a Sunday. Yeah, any other day. Um, I actually, would say I agree uh, with um, Stephen Barry on this one. Uh, why am I getting the full name? <laughs> well, it's always the full name. Always, and it's not exactly a name you can search, isn't it? It's two first names for God's sake. I mean, my name's Francis Murphy. You've already said that. I mean, I'm going to have the internet brigades after me anyway. Oh, sorry. Would well, you want me to not say your name? No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not findable anyway. Just, you, just try. What would you have given it? Four or five? You're always, you're always dialing it back. You're such a presenter. <laughs> um, four. I would have given it four. So there's two out of the two films of bloody well seen. I'd give them four. So that's not too bad. That's a hundred percent four stars. Yep. Um, apart from. We could talk about Star Trek, although you've not seen it. Well, I was thinking as a feature. Maybe, maybe you, I sit and watch the Star Trek films sequentially. <laughs> and so the only look... time that Steve would actually watch them. Oh, God. For professional reasons. <laughs> Fran has been trying to make me watch them for... I haven't forced a year. No, anything. True, I'll take it back. i take it back. You've hinted strongly and given up after years that I should maybe watch them. You're able to make my brother watch them, but no. Um, But... I, Mark actually liked him He did, yeah And I've, you know, opened my mind Things like that I'm a different person from the Look, the only reason he wants to watch it Is because I hate the new Star Trek, okay That's it Well, I think it'd be good to He can't believe that's happened Eventually do like a ranking podcast Where we rank the Star Trek films What, as in the new Star Trek is ranked? Well, we do a top ten And uh, Well, I know what zero is <laughs> Which well, one? Wait, well, wait, I mean you, eleven what, what, what Star Trek are you talking about? Well, okay. Are you talking about TV series or films? I'm well, talking about films specifically. All right, okay. Well, the films are the films are kind of safe, apart from Star Trek Into Darkness, which was not only um, whitewashing, as you've heard of. We all know about whitewashing, don't we, where you cast a white guy in the role of someone who was a minority. Khan <laughs> was cast by... Why would you make Benedict Cumberbatch play a Sikh? I mean that's just insanity. He can do a lot of things but it's sort of yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. His genetics aren't that. To me, I mean I've I'm not a big I, I don't I've not even seen The Wrath of Khan, so I don't have the same wrath towards <laughs> in the darkness. But know, I've but... I've I've listened to um journalists that have spoken about it and the main criticism I gleaned from their ire towards that film is that it didn't earn that emotional payoff that the wrath of khan and those uh-huh, yeah. 20 years or so of kirk and yeah. and things like that yeah. have built up That's the, thing. The, the wrath I mean, of khan like uh, you know was a major it. moment in star trek history uh-huh. right <clears throat> so so the wrath right you're listening to this right so right now we're just going to talk about star trek yeah, right. you've finally been able to do it see so. this is the beauty of a podcast is that you can just dive into something else right now like we're not on a budget here right we're not we're not got a studio editor who's going time's up right we can say whatever we want so well we can't really but we can talk about whatever we want i'll just edit from, out. yeah steve editing out all um emotion thought meaning and uh depth uh from anything i've got to say um ah, it's a joke um so star trek 2 the wrath of can kirk and spock have known each other as steve says for 20 years spock dies and Kirk is devastated, right? That's a spoiler. That's ruined for me now. Yeah. Well, yes. You know, you're twenty goddamn years. Have <laughs> known me to watch it, right? So, Star Trek Into Darkness. Kirk and Spock have known each other for one year, or whatever it is. And not only that, they hated each other for six months of that year. And the reverse happens, and Kirk <laughs> dies, and Spock screams and cries. Spock is a Vulcan. They don't have emotions, right? Mm. There's a lot of words I could say right now that would make this an unpublishable piece of uh, digital well let's not make it unpublishable okay it was intellectually stunted stunted because because they copied it and then the the in the act of copying it they destroyed it now if that's not the stupidest thing you've ever heard i don't know what is apart from people blindfold driving it sounds like a major missed opportunity i think four films in they could have maybe built something with that but second film in in a new franchise which had a great start uh they really i think they kicked that franchise so hard that now they've struggled i know another franchise that did it with the second movie Hmm. let me think is the goosebumps film really that bad loved the Goosebumps film (laughs) with uh, Jack Black. Yeah, that's a good film. That's a good film. I actually loved that film. Um, I want Jack Black to come back and play like Ray's big brother or something in Star Wars, who's just came back from some sort of year out and says like, "Ray, come on, mum and dad, you know they didn't really abandon us." I'm guessing you're really hinting at Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Yeah, Um, I feel like the that film it has inspired the same amount of ire towards it that the star trek into darkness has what one do you think is more egregious well what i would say is this if our expectations were bowling pins and ryan johnson's head was a bowling ball then and he ran towards the the lane with all of his might and threw the ball at full speed his own head (laughs) through the pins and destroyed them then that is what what sums up basically Okay, let's try and get some structure back into this. I feel that we're we're on a. We're, it's not so much a tangent as we've just taken a flight to another country. Well, it's almost as if yeah, the the very order of things has been completely destroyed. Um, yeah, we flo- If this was Mario Kart, we would have flown off the side of the track and fallen through the world. We should play Mario Kart. I have a GameCube. Just saying that. That's dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, can you handle this yourself for a second? Hey, let's do one more film then before we finish. Right, well, you talk, I'll be back in one moment. Yes, is now away, so I'll take this opportunity to say I never liked him. Ah, I love doing podcasts. <laughs> I love it. I've thought of uh, a quick, just uh, get your mind going, Fran, because you know it's you know not going at all. <laughs> uh, how about a quick quiz for you? Spur of the moment, a minute to answer this question. A minute? Uh, well, you'll see in a second. 60 seconds? <laughs> the question is: name 10, no. Oh, God. Actually, name 15 Arnold Schwarzenegger films that he stars in. And you know what? I'm not sure if I'm going to let you even use ones that he's in the same franchise. Right. Okay, your minute starts. Mm, let me just check. Hold on to your hats, people. When so it gets to 4.04. 04. Why don't you just do the stopwatch? It's yeah. <laughs> the first time he's ever used it. Okay, your minute starts now. Okay, uh, Terminator franchise. Oh. I'll let you just say individual films for each film. Say them all then before you... Okay, Terminator, Terminator 2, Terminator 3. He was in Terminator Salvation. Was it... No, it wasn't Salvation. It was Terminator... Genesis? 40 seconds left. Um, Jingle All The Way. Last Action Hero. Um, What was that one where he was in the school? Kindergarten... Half the way there. Cop, was it? Yeah, Seven films. Um, True Lies. Yeah. Uh... God, I don't know. Um, what else has he been in? That's about all I can think of. That's that's all I can think of. That's not too bad, really. Yeah, only eight films. Eight out of fifteen? Has he even done fifteen? He's done about fifty. Well, I don't know what they are. Okay, your minutes up. He's governor of California as well. The films you could have said would have been Expendables 1, Expendables 2. <laughs> I think he's in Expendables 3, I haven't seen it. Batman and Robin The Last Stand The Running Man you not seen them? Well I've seen the Batman one But I mean he was I'm End of was days role. Well anything that he's in right. I said anything he's in So you failed Miserably Feel free to give me a quiz if you want If you can think of one Hang on a minute If I can think of one Right could act on and give me a time limit Thanks <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence <laughs> There yes, Stephen Right, let me think. A quiz, an actor, and a time limit. Okay. Um, the thing is, a lot of these I won't even know the answer to, so I, I can't judge it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I <laughs> so, so I might have to think of a completely just out there quiz that has got nothing to do with anything. Um, I know, I've got one that's quite topical. This will test Steve's um, metal when it comes to uh, almost proving a point that i tried to make earlier on so steve i want you to name 15 films in a minute that came out before the year 2000 that had a strong female lead well that's subjective because strong is that okay 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 fine that had a female lead that wasn't a one-dimensional character that's again subjective come on no, it's not so what you're saying is a female lead in the role Fifteen seconds? How long? A minute? <laughs> Is it fifteen films I've got to get? <laughs> no, ten. Ten. Ten, ten films? Ten. Yeah. Now right, when you're gonna start the stop clock? Okay. Let's... So apparently this came up because we were saying I was saying how there's not as many um obvious female lead roles as compared to men. And you're tasking me on if I can think of at least more than ten then? We're saying ten? Yeah. So three two, one. Okay, so Alien, aliens, Alien Free, Alien Resurrection. <laughs> See where I'm going with that? Who'd have thought this was so <laughs> easy? Apparently, it's not. Buffy um, the Vampire Slayer, the '80s one, based the the, the TV series is based on, or the early '90s one. How many is that? Five. Mean Girls. Oh no! Wait. Before. Well, was it before? What year did you say? Oh crap! I think Alien. No, the English films are fine. What was the other one I said? Oh God, I'm losing time. Before the year two thousand Terminator. That's not a female lead. Zero. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm cutting We're out this. Of time. <laughs> that time. That's a whole franchise. You could have said, <laughs> God. Right? Okay, okay we suck because you're right. You're right. There was nothing right. There was nothing before. We're going to have to rewrite history, right? You know, Captain Janeway never existed. Seven years on Star Trek Voyager, on prime time TV, captain of a starship. Nah. Anyway, she was a good character. I don't, it's all over my head. Star Trek. It's all kind of gizmos and Final Frontier and stuff. Words like that. Princess Leia. Uh, lead. She wasn't a lead. It was an ensemble piece. All right. Okay. She was on the billing. Uh, well, I was thinking of like the Alien, like single lead. Obviously, then I'll, you know, discounted. Okay. What should uh, what should we do as our final topic on this one? Why do we have to have a final topic? Well, you want to just end it now? It's a bit anticlimactic. Especially after this terrible quiz. No, that was quite a good quiz. Um, I think we should discuss... Uh, actually, I don't know. Well, I, I've got a few films I'll tell you about that I've seen recently that came out in 2018. How about that? Right. And and what did I do? You listen. Ah. To like a member of the audience? Yes. <laughs> Alright, well, what have I seen? I've seen... Wreck It Ralph. Ralph breaks the internet. Wow, <laughs> I've seen the first one. Uh, did you like the first film? Yes. So the second one is. In fact, we watched it together in my room. Remember? Well, that's that's great insight for the audience. Years ago. Yeah, I remember that. It was uh, a great memory of mine. I cherish that memory. I don't believe you. <laughs> um, yeah, Ralph breaks the internet. It's a fine film. It's good. It's uh, wholesome family fun. My niece went to see it. <laughs> She's only 5 and she was terrified at the end. There's a a big monstery thing that appears and um kind of felt a bit a bit over the top. But the film is as good um essentially the characters their game has uh it's kind of got a bug and it's about to be an actual hardware part breaks and so the game then is going to be carted off and all the characters are in limbo. And I think there's like a metaphor for all these characters are having to move into a new... (laughs) There's like a reading you could make about a political situation. Hang on, are you telling me that Wreck-It Ralph (laughs) is commenting on political changes in the world? Well... The thing is, it sets it up like that and has no conviction or commitment to it and just leaves it at that. And I think it would have been better if it actually tried to be important, but it didn't. Wreck-It Ralph is the hero we need right now. I just never thought I'd hear myself say those words. Instead, the story is all about friendship. There's also the fact that Wreck-It Ralph, his single mission in life is to destroy everything. Okay? He's now an illegal alien. Think about that. So the film sees these characters. Yeah, I'm thinking about that and I'm going to move on. Um, the the characters have to move into... Uh, well, they try and source out this part to fix the game and it leads them to entering the internet and the evil internet and uh, a very sanitised dark web appears. Um, kind of a joke in there, but... The film is okay. It plays up on like things you would expect. Memes are kind of funny in there, and and pop ups are like characters that appear and annoy the characters, um, viruses and stuff like that. So there's all everything you can think of, and there's a great middle section of the film that uh, they've obviously used all their Disney. It's a Disney product, so they've got all the Disney princesses together, and they're really funny. Um, the it's it, seeing pocahontas and well whatever her name is from brave is it brave (laughs) (laughs) all together you mean that um, extremely culturally insensitive film about scottish people who are all savages living in villages with nothing it was a great film but yeah it's a great it's a great uh great kind of scene we're all together and it's quite funny um elsa and anna from frozen all these kind of mi- mixing in with snow white and uh it's, it's it's hilarious it's really good so yeah that's a fun film and one more i'll talk about i have also seen hereditary hereditary as a is a as a horror film did you hear about it francis no but i'm on the edge of my seat to hear how the word hereditary was applied to a horror movie well, it's it, the film is essentially, it's a young director, it's his first film, and he is, it comes from a drama background, essentially the sort of scripts and shorts he'd write were sort of kind of um, family dramas and stuff, and this film is essentially a drama with a framed around a sort of a horror theme, it doesn't, it, the horror part of it, it's not an obvious horror film, there's an eeriness to it, but it's not, there's no jump scares or anything like that. Um, it deals with a family dealing with it's a lot of. It begins with the the family dealing at the funeral with of their the gran, the woman. Um, Toni Collette is the actress. She her mother and the story has passed away, and they're dealing with um the bereavement, and then another tragedy happens in the film, which I won't say, and it's the family begins to break apart, and and it's 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 a it's a mood piece. It's a kind of very um sensitive film. And the characters, the dialogue, and the, the actual performances are... It's, it's very performance-driven, this film. It's the main thing I would say about it. It is brilliant. Hooks you right in. And um, I was really impressed by it. And some of the cinematography as well is, is fantastic. The actual look of the, the house. Because the film is mostly set in the main house they've got. And um, at night, the way it's lit, it looks eerie. And it's you can see the house. I mean, it, the, the film is kind of a ghost element to it I'll say that and that's kind of the main horror part of it Um, and that kind of the house is kind of taken over by it it's it's brilliant brilliant film not a easy watch probably but um I'd give it a strong four stars um maybe um close to the five again on that but yeah really enjoyed hereditary so you uh yeah you do you think you'd like that is that up your alley at all well it would be nice to see a film like that that actually is A horror film, because it reminds me of um, the time that an ex-girlfriend of mine took me to the cinema to see a horror movie. Um, I don't know what she thought it was supposed to be, but she'd booked it up. It was called The Descendants. This was in 2010 or 2011, something like that. And we went to see this film called The Descendants, and I was all ready for a horror film on the edge of my seat, and we're sitting in there, and this film comes on with George Clooney in it. And I'm thinking, George Clooney in a horror movie? I hadn't read anything about it, you know? And I was on the edge of my seat through the entire film until at the very end, I realised that it wasn't a horror film at all. And she'd taken us to see a family drama movie. Um, and it was the strangest experience, because when you go and see a film and you think it's going to be horror, you think everything is leading up to some kind of event. And it was mind-bending to come out of that at the end. And I was saying to her as we were walking out, I said, I don't understand, because I hadn't looked online or anything, I said, like, I don't understand. Did we miss something? And then we realised that it was a film that had a similar name to something else that she wanted to see. So to see a family drama film that does actually involve horror would be would be good. I think um I think it was hereditary that was um sparked controversy um during the year because it was mistakenly shown that some kids' film in the trailers. <laughs> These kids were absolutely traumatised. It was uh, I'm sure it was hereditary. Um, it became on. Well, obviously, parents were outraged. Probably went to see um, the Storks film or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> the question is, will their psychological issues be hereditary going uh, forward? Uh, <laughs> Something to tell the grandkids. I know. So yeah, that I, I'm sure it was that I filled that film up. <laughs> <out>, storks <laughs> 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 that's for damn sure. Right, I think we'll call it a, a podcast, Fran. I think that's as good for for just now. Is there anything you want to finish on? <clears throat> well, well, yeah, but I mean, there's nothing I could I, like I could you say. The spot, so yeah, it's it's not, There's n- but, well, yeah, I mean, what I would say is there's a lot of things I'd love to finish on that I couldn't um, verbalise. Shall we say? Alright, so I've essentially I don't know what the hell that was but I'll just finish off. Uh, yeah, It's it's an allusion to something that a lot of your listeners will probably know. Okay! A lot of our listeners being me when I'm editing this essentially. So, no one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, essentially it's been a four star day. Uh, all four reviewed films being four stars. This year has been I would say a good year, depending on who you speak to. But, um, uh, like I said, next week will uh be the film of the year debates we're gonna do at least four or five podcasts so hang on a minute so is everybody gonna be around here no it's no it's my friend's hosting so do i get to come well have you seen all around say at least 50 films from last year th- last year well no but some of the other people who were there last time didn't see films and were still there at least you're not holding a grudge. No, uh, um, no, it's uh, it's a core cast that we can't uh, change. So uh, next year, uh, I tell you what, you go and see some films this year, and I'll uh, I'll invite you. Also, we're kind of fully booked. We've only got two mics, and there's going to be five of us uh, next week. Julie noted. Yeah, like I said, catch some films, and I'll have happily have you on board. But like I said, if you get any ideas, Fran, I'd love to do more, uh, you know, I think Star Trek, it sounds like, might be a thing. I think we could do a uh, an episode on each film or something, or rank the films. I don't know. We could finally tell the listeners what the combination to Captain Kirk's safe and his quarters is. I'm sure there'd be a, a queue of listeners waiting for that one. And on that, I'll finish. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.